Welcome to the Grace Point Church Podcast. Here at Grace Point Church, we believe in meeting people where they are and leading them to where God wants them to be. Join us now as we listen to this week's message. Picture this for a moment. There's a a little boy, maybe four or five years old, and he's at the beach with his family, and uh, his Family is off and they're playing, and, and his father says to him before he goes off to do whatever fathers do at the beach when they're with their families, he says, don't get anything to drink yet, or we're going to be eating soon. And so the father goes, and the little boy is playing around, and he's thirsty. So he reaches into the cooler, and he pulls out an ice-cold drink. He pops that thing open, and he starts to sip it. As he's sipping, he looks up and he sees his father running towards him with this look on his face. And the father dives straight at him. And the boy at the very last minute is able to push aside, narrowly misses getting hit by his father. So let me give it to you again. Little boy, same beach, same father, same cooler. The boy reaches into the cooler and he grabs that ice cold drink. He pops it open and he starts to take a sip. As he's taking that sip, he sees his father coming towards him, running towards him. His father dives, the boy turns to the side, is narrowly missed, and the father pushes away the football that was aimed at his son's head at the very last minute, saving his son from getting nailed in the back of the head with a football. Same events, but if you leave something out, it changes the story, right? In the first story, you're thinking, who is this guy I mean, it's just a 7-Up. And yet when you see the, the, the whole story, the part of the story that you missed before, you understand that what the man was doing was not trying to hurt his son. He was trying to save his son. So throughout this series, Bible stories that you thought you knew, we have been talking about stories, stories that we grew up with, stories that we've heard over and over again. In fact, these are stories that even if you did not grow up in church, even if you did not grow up reading the Bible, that they have made their way into culture, that they've made their way into into mainstream society that people refer to them all the time. So today we're going to look at another story that you may have grown up with, and as you saw in our introduction, and as you can see from this picture with the scantily clad gentleman there, we're going to be looking at the story of Jonah and the whale. So I grew up, as many of you did, as many of you may have, hearing the story of Jonah and the whale. And this is how I got the story. Maybe this is how you got the story too. God tells Jonah to go to Nineveh. Jonah doesn't want to go. He runs away from God. In fact, he runs the opposite direction of where God tells him to go. And then God sends a whale to swallow Jonah, punishing him for not listening to him in the first place of where he was supposed to go. That is the story of Jonah and the whale that I grew up with. Is that pretty similar to the story that you grew up with? Okay, so today we're going to look at the story of Jonah as it's told in Scripture, in a book called, wait for it, Jonah. So if you have your Bibles and you want to turn and want to follow along, we're going to be in the book of Jonah, looking at the story of Jonah about a man named Jonah. And we're going to start in Jonah chapter 1, verse 1, and this is what it says. 
So this is Jonah, and Jonah is a prophet. And, and verse 1, it's the very start. It says, the Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Now, they do this often in Scripture because they don't want you to think that this is Jonah, son of George. Right? This is Jonah, son of Amittai. Right? So we know who he's talking about. And he goes on and he says this. This is God now, and he's talking to Jonah, and he says, Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. So he's telling Jonah to go up, go to Nineveh, and tell those people they need to shape up or else bad things are going to happen to them. Now, in order for us to really understand this story, we have to have some background on what's happening and what is Nineveh. So I want to take you back for a minute because what's happening in this time where Jonah is alive, the king of Israel, his name is Jeroboam II. Literally, there is a two after his name. He is Jeroboam II, and he is the king of Israel, which is weird because his father is not named Jeroboam. In fact, his father was king before him, and the king before his father was Jeroboam. So Jeroboam I was the king of Israel. Then he died, and Jehoash becomes the king of Israel, who he dies, and his son Jeroboam II is now the king of Israel. Are you with me? All right, so Jeroboam II, and we're just going to call him II because Jeroboam is really long, but II is the king of Israel. And two is not a good guy. In fact, Scripture says specifically that two did evil in the sight of the Lord. That's the exact phrase that they use. Well, they said Jeroboam, but Jeroboam two. Two did evil in the sight of the Lord. Now, the Israelites had always had this weird relationship with God. Like Sometimes they do good and everything is fine and they, their lives go along. And sometimes they, they mess up and things go bad. And then they go back and start asking God for help. Well, they were doing a lot of bad stuff. They did bad stuff under Jeroboam I. They did bad stuff under Jehoash. They thought it was going to turn around with two, but it didn't. He was also an evil king. But God made a promise through his prophets that Israel was going to be restored even if two was a bad king that God would still show mercy on, on Israel. And so when we look at the account of what happened, it says this, and this is in the book of 2 Kings, and it says this, Jeroboam II recovered the territories of Israel between Lebohamoth and the Dead Sea. So these, this territory of Israel between Lebohamoth and the Dead Sea, which Israel had lost in previous wars... Under Jeroboam too, they were able to get it back. Israel was becoming restored. Israel was getting the favor of God. Good things were happening to Israel, and the Israelites were excited about this. They were happy, and they knew that it wasn't because Jeroboam too was a good guy. They knew that. It was because the Lord, the God of Israel, had promised that this is what was going to happen to Israel. And do you know who he promised it through? 
Jonah, son of Amittai. Jonah was the prophet to Jeroboam too, who told Jeroboam, told too, and told all the people of Israel that God made a promise that he was going to restore them even though they were doing evil in his sight. Now, can you imagine this? You're, you're, you're in a country, you're part of a country, and you're doing bad things all over the world, but you still prosper. Everybody is excited. Everybody is happy. And to all of the people in Israel, Jonah is a hero. He is the prophet of God. God told him, you guys are going to be victorious. They go out, and even though they're not doing things that God tells them to do, they are still victorious because of Jonah, son of Amittai. And God says to Jonah, after all of this excitement, after their victories, when there is this widespread patriotic loyalty among all the Israelites, God says to Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and tell those people that my judgment is going to come upon them. Now, what is Nineveh? Nineveh is the capital of the Assyrian Empire. And at this time, since Jeroboam II has defeated everybody that's around Israel, the only remaining threat to Israel was the Assyrian Empire. And Jonah is thinking this. He's thinking, wait, God showed mercy to Israel even though they didn't deserve it. What if God shows mercy to Nineveh? You see, if God destroys Nineveh, it pretty much destroys the Assyrian Empire. And Israel doesn't have to worry about anyone attacking them. They don't have to worry that they might lose their country. So here is Jonah's line of thinking. If I tell Nineveh that God wants them to shape up, then they might get saved and the Assyrians might take over Israel. If I don't say anything to Nineveh, they're going to keep doing what they're doing. God's judgment is going to go upon them. The Assyrian Empire will fall and Israel will be safe. So Jonah makes the decision that he is not going to do that. You see, he loves his nation. He loves his people. And he doesn't want to have them uh, be defeated by the Assyrians. So what does Jonah do? Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. See, he did the exact opposite of what God was telling him to do. In fact, in Scripture, it tells us that he went the opposite direction, a complete 180 from where he was supposed to go. So, Jonah gets in a boat. He goes out onto the ocean. He's going and sailing away in the opposite direction of where God told him to. And as he's sailing away from where God said to go, he's sailing away, God does something. It says, but the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Now, I don't like boats. I don't. Never been on a cruise because I don't like boats. No, wait, that's not true. I took a cruise once in the Philippines, and uh, it was not fun. And I'll have to tell you the story some other time. But needless to say, I don't like boats because boats, like, they're not subject to the land where you can just say, okay, I don't like this anymore, and step over here, and everything is fine. Once you're on the boat, you're on the boat. 
And so this guy is on the boat, and exactly what I fear will happen whenever I get on a boat, which is why I don't get on boats, happened to Jonah. He's on the boat with a bunch of guys, and it says that the Lord hurls a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm. It threatened to break the ship apart. And what was Jonah doing? Hold on a second. We're missing a verse in there. All right, we're going to go here. Okay, so this is the sailors. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. So the sailors, they knew what they were doing. They've seen storms. They know that this is what you're supposed to do. They throw the cargo over the side of the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. So Jonah is in the, in the boat, basically in the middle of the boat. The boat is doing this thing and this thing. And Jonah is asleep. And I don't know what was in Jonah's mind. Because you see, one of the things that Jonah knew is this. Because Jonah was a prophet and Jonah had studied scripture. And Jonah had seen other prophets before him. And one thing that Jonah knows is this. If you are a prophet of God and you don't do what God says, those prophets always die. So I wonder if when Jonah got on that boat and he was heading away from where God told him that he said to himself, I'm going to die. I don't know how God is going to do it. I don't know when God is going to do it, but death is coming. So if he's got the boat going this way and that way, he doesn't care because it's, it's coming for him. All this time, Jonah was asleep down in the hold. So the captain went down after him. The captain runs down and he says, how can you sleep at a time like this, he shouted. How can you sleep? Can't you see what's happening? Can't you feel what's happening? How can you sleep? So what does the, the crew do? It says that the crew cast lots, which basically is, you know, it's one of those rock, paper, scissors thing, right? They get together. They don't know what's going on, so they rock, paper, scissors each other to try to figure out which one of them was causing the gods... Not God, but the gods to cause this storm. So the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused a terrible storm. So they're figuring it out. And after like 50 million of those rock, paper, scissors, they finally figure out whose fault it is. And guess whose fault it is? Jonah. Jonah. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Can you imagine that? You're on a boat. You're in the middle of nowhere. The boat is doing this, and the boat is doing this, and everybody's trying to figure out why it's happening, and the entire crew of the ship says, it's your fault. Man, what am I going to do now? When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. But I don't know if Jonah was paying them a lot of money. I don't know if they were scared of Jonah. But something happened, and even though they thought that Jonah was the one, they didn't know what to do. So they asked him, they said, why has this awful storm come down on us? Who are you? I mean, why are you the one that is causing the gods to be angry? And this is what Jonah says. He says, Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to you to stop this storm? Jonah does the same thing that you and I do all the time. 
when we're faced with trouble, when we're faced with, with a situation in our lives that we can't figure out, when we're faced with a challenge that we don't know how to fix, we, we think that if we can just somehow sacrifice ourselves, that if we can just pay the price, pay the penance, if we can suffer long enough, that that is going to appease God somehow. And then we think all of this is my fault. All of these things that are happening is because of me. In fact, what we do is we look around us. We look at our friends and our family and we start to think, you know what? All of the bad things that are happening to you is because of me. And we start to think that the world would be a better place if we weren't around. Have you ever felt that? See, that's what Jonah was feeling. He was thinking to himself, I did all of this. If I was gone, your storm would go away. If I was gone, your seas will be calm. The problem is me. I know that it's all my fault. Now, these guys must have liked Jonah because even though he said, throw me overboard, they didn't do that right away. Instead, the sailors rowed even harder to get the ship to the land. They were like, hold on a second. Maybe we don't have to, to do anything to you. Maybe we don't have to throw you overboard. Let's try. And so they get back and they start rowing harder and harder, trying to get back to the land, trying to save everybody. But the stormy sea was too violent for them and they couldn't make it. And so what do they do? They cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. O Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin. See, the first thing they're thinking of is they're thinking of themselves. And they're thinking, okay, listen, I know this guy screwed up, but please don't let me suffer for it. Have we ever done that? Huh? Has there ever been anybody in your life who screwed up and you're thinking, why am I having to deal with this when it was his fault? Well, it's not any different here. The same thing. The guys are thinking, okay, God, we know this guy does something, but please, we didn't do anything. Could you just spare us? And then they thought, wait a second. Jonah said, throw him overboard. If we throw him overboard, then we'll be okay, right? But what if God gets mad at us? So the second thing they said is, and don't hold us responsible for his death. Listen, if he's going to die, he's going to die. But don't blame me. It's his fault. They say, oh, Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. And what do the sailors do? Then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea. And the storm stopped at once. The storm stopped at once. The storm didn't gradually subside. Right? Those guys on the boat, they knew now, without a doubt, exactly what was the problem, exactly what was wrong, because as soon as they threw Jonah over the side, the storm stopped at once. And here's Jonah. He goes over the side of the boat, right? And I wonder how many times they had to swing him because the boat's going like this, and they're swinging Jonah, and they're trying to get him to go over the edge of the boat, and he's hitting his head against the side of the boat because they can't swing him high enough. He finally gets over the edge into the water, and he's looking up as he's going down, and as he's sinking, and all of a sudden, the water's calm. All of a sudden, the water's calm. Now, think about this. 
if you are in the middle of, of, of the water and the seas are doing this number, it's pretty difficult for you to make it. But once you're in the water and the water is calm, it shouldn't have been too hard of a thing for Jonah to survive. But see, Jonah knew that he had to pay the price. And so he's falling and falling even in the calm water. And here's what happens next. And I highlighted the word arranged because I want you to really key on that. Now, the Lord had arranged. The, the Lord had worked everything out. Even when Jonah was still on the shore, the Lord was doing something out on the ocean. We couldn't see yet. The, the seas were still calm. Jonah was still on the boat and God was doing something. The Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. And then what did Jonah do? Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from inside the fish. Jonah thought he was going to die from the water. Jonah asked to be thrown overboard so that he could sink down into the water. Jonah was ready to give his life. He knew he had made a mistake, right? He knew that he had made a conscious decision to disobey God. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been at that place where you made a conscious decision that you're going to do something that you know you shouldn't do? He made that decision, and he knew that he was ready to pay the price. Jonah was supposed to die in the water. But God arranged for the big fish to swallow him. Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish, and he said this. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. When did Jonah cry out to the Lord? Not when he's in the fish, because see, cried is past tense. He's not saying, I'm crying out to the Lord in my great trouble. Listen, Jonah's great trouble was not when he was in the fish. Jonah's great trouble was when he was out in the water and sinking and getting ready to drown. And when he was in the water, when he was in the water, he cried out to the Lord and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead. And you heard me. We all grew up thinking that God had sent the great fish, that God had sent the whale to punish Jonah. But God sent the whale to save Jonah. Now listen, I am not saying to you that it was pleasant in that whale. And we still don't know. Uh, uh, Bible historians and theologians have for years tried to figure out what exactly was that great fish. Was it really a whale? Was it, was it a, a fish that doesn't exist anymore but did exist at this time? Was it a fish, a great fish that God had just created just to take care of Jonah? We don't know. But what we know is this is that when Jonah was in the belly of that whale, when Jonah was in there, 
Jonah recognized that that whale wasn't there to punish him. That whale was there to save him. Some of you have gone through experiences in your life. You've had bad things happen to you. Maybe there are some of you here today, or for those of you who are listening to us online, maybe you are experiencing it right now, that you are in a bad situation, a desperate situation. It might be a financial situation or a relationship situation. It might have something to do with your health, and you're thinking to yourself, why is God punishing me? And you're not recognizing that God isn't punishing you, that he just might be saving you. Uh, there, there's a guy, and his name is Pete Wilson. He's a, a, a pastor. He was a pastor of, of one of the largest churches in, in Nashville. He said, but maybe for Jonah, it was better than death. Maybe for Jonah, that darkness, that chaos, was just the beginning of letting go of the old in order to embrace the new. For it's in the belly of the fish that Jonah realizes God isn't punishing him and hasn't abandoned him. And he actually calls aloud to this merciful God. He was trapped in a dark and lonely place, but he wasn't alone. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You've been in a dark and lonely place in your life. Maybe you feel like you are in a dark and lonely place in your life today. And you're looking around and you cannot even imagine that God is there with you. And yet like he was for Jonah, like I've seen him be for me, like many of you have experienced in the past, even in the dark and lonely places where we can't imagine that God is there. God is there. Jonah wraps up his prayer and he says this, but you, O Lord my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. I was falling in the water and you sent a fish and everyone else around me is thinking, how sad that is for you that you're stuck in the belly of the fish. And I want to tell you that when you're stuck in the belly of the fish, Jesus wants you to know that you are not stuck there alone, that he is with you. And it just may be the thing that you think is out to destroy you is what God is using to try to restore you, to try to bring you back. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. Grace Point Church is located in South San Francisco, California. For more information, look us up online at www.wearegracepoint.com.